Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Elise, just a black girl out here trying to help everyone do better, including and especially herself. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning back in. Thank you so much for your constant support. Like, seriously, I feel it. Speaking of things I feel, I feel tired. <laughs> so, so tired. Uh, for those who are unaware, or for those who are in need of an update, I am somewhere between 39 and 40 weeks pregnant. Um, yes, we are very, very pregnant. And waiting for this sweet little baby to come has been exciting and exhausting and is making me anxious, but is also filling me with calm, an odd calm. So we're just trying to figure out, you know, when she's going to come and, you know, let her do her thing um, as naturally as possible. So, yeah, all those good thoughts, all those prayers um, are definitely, definitely uh, wanted and desired for those who wish wish to send them our way. So last week we talked about all the stupid stuff that we found on Blue Ivy's Internet just people acting downright foolish, completely ignorant, um, or just dumb, just dumb. Uh, like I said in the intro of that episode, do not listen to that episode if you are not ready for a good hearty cackle or to put your hand in the palm, I'm sorry, put your face in the palm of your hand uh, because that's the kind of stuff that these stories Induce. Those are the kind of reactions. Uh, but we have a brand new show. It's a brand new week. Um, and we have more insanity going on that we need to talk about that I want to talk about. And I think that we should talk about. So, I mean, let's get right into it. Let's go ahead and hit those church announcements. Hit it, Earl. Let the people of the reclaim say amen. Glad to be here. Say amen again. And say amen one more time if you really like the show. We glad that y'all here today and these will be your church announcements. All right, time for the church announcements. Let's start with um <sighs> the least annoying to most annoying. So currently, Rudy Giuliani is um running around the United States trying to sue and stop or restart the ballot counts I don't know what's going on at this point like the race has been called but what it looks like is um Trump's personal lawyer Rudy Giuliani is seeking to cause confusion chaos and disrupt peace which you know that's that whole side's uh deal um in the process of voting uh, recently, he made his way back to Pennsylvania, um, and during a five-hour hearing in Williamsport, uh, dis- U.S. District Judge Matthew Brand appeared mystified <laughs> as Giuliani asserted without any evidence that some sort of mafia-like cabal, some sort of mafia-like coup of the Democratic leaders in all the cities of 
all around the nation had just happened using the mail-in ballots um, for Joe Biden's favor, despite the fact <laughs> that people have been voting with mail-in ballots for decades, decades now, including one Donald Trump. What's also mystifying is that he asserts that there's been widespread fraud and has an zero ounces of proof. In fact, what makes it worse for Giuliani, hilarious for the rest of us, is that there has been not just not just proof, but overwhelming proof that these elections were some of the most secure elections in the United States history, some of the most. Um, And I believe that one of the directors of Trump's cabinet actually said that, and then Trump fired him. I believe that happened this week. Um, But yeah, so Rudy Giuliani is running around, um, you know, just trying to keep distracting people from um, the fact that, you know, in, in, um, what is that movie? Borat. (laughs) He had a really inappropriate scene with a 15 year old, uh, which I feel like he should go to he that someone should be talking about. Um, allegedly, allegedly had an inappropriate scene. Can't say those type of words around lawyers. They'll they'll come and get you. So allegedly. Um, but anyone who's watched at the Borat film would be like, uh, why aren't we talking about Rudy Giuliani and his uh, inappropriate moment, alleged inappropriate moment with this 15-year-old? I'm just going to leave it right there. So in other messy, messy news, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham is finding himself in some hot water after he pressured Georgia State, um, Georgia Secretary of State, rather, Brad Raffensperger. I hope I said that right. Raffensperger. Yes, Raffensperger, um, who was also a, a Republican. Uh, this is just a reminder. Senator Lindsey Graham is a senator from South Carolina. So, Lindsey, what are you doing hanging out, talking to people who are the secretary, secretaries of state from Georgia when you have a whole state of your own to be taken care of and... What's going on with that? So according to the Washington Post, Raffensperger talked to Lindsey Graham on Friday. And Raffensperger told the Post that Graham asked him whether he had the power to toss out all the mail-in ballots in counties that had higher rates of non-matching signatures. Raffensperger told the Post that he was actually stunned with the apparent suggestion to throw away ballots that were actually cast legally. The conversation continues on and he says that he tried to explain, you know, he said he did a good job explaining how um, the how to verify signatures. Right. And when he continued to try to, like, have this conversation with Graham, Graham said that Raffensperger was being completely ridiculous. Hmm. Meanwhile, county officials in Georgia uh, have been working through the weekend and I believe up until tonight at midnight as I'm recording this uh, to hand tally all of the votes in the presidential race. Yeah, so 
<laughs> we're, we're out here. We're not just being messy, but we're being messy in houses that aren't even ours. Uh, Lindsey Graham is out here telling another Republican not only how to do their job, but how to do it in such a messy way. Like, are you telling people to throw out ba- ballots that are legal? You know, that, that that's that's illegal. Um, why isn't any, but here's my deeper question. If he's willing to do that in a state that's not his, come on, somebody. If he's willing to say these types of things in a state that does, that he is not even running for, what's it going to look like when, I mean, what's it going to look like in his state? Now, if I was his um, opponent, I would demand an immediate recount, an immediate recount. Find every ballot that you can. Make sure, because if Lindsay's willing to throw out ballots and to stoop really low and to almost get himself in a lot of trouble, which I hope that this actually does get him in some trouble, little sneaky little man, um, if he's willing to do this in other people's states like, and get himself in some trouble for a president that showed no loyalty to anyone outside of his, his self, then I wonder what he's done in his own state. I'm just going to leave that there. <sighs> Finally, and the most annoying story to me, let's talk about Emily Murphy. For those who are unfamiliar with Emily Murphy, Emily Murphy is the general service administrator. And basically, she is the government official that is in charge of signing off on the election on the election result. And she refused to do it. She refused to sign off on the election result um, for since the results have come in. She refuses to sign off any paperwork. She refuses to comply and follow the procedure that happens after the election. And so now people are taking to, um, people took to her, you know, because she's a government official, calling her and finding her social media and trying to contact her to further encourage her to sign off on this legislation. I mean, not legislation, on this result, right? So she is technically the only obstacle between President-elect Joe Biden and the formal start of the presidential transition. But now she's struggling with the weight, supposedly, according to CNN, she's struggling with the weight of the presidential election being dropped on her shoulders, feeling like she's been put in a no-win situation, according to the people who have spoken to her recently. Apparently, she's having a mental breakdown, which I'm not making fun of. I'm not making fun of anyone having any type of mental illness or... um depression or anxiety like I'm not making fun of that I'm making fun of the unnecessary tears um before I get ahead of myself people who have spoken to her have seen her struggle with the weight of the election and feels like she's in a no-win situation and she's just trying to follow or she's just trying to follow orders apparently is what she says um and follow what she sees as president to wait to ascertain. I don't know what she needs to wait for. All of these all these ballots have been counted or are being counted and the results haven't changed. Not by thousands. Not by enough to matter. 
I don't know what she needs to wait for. She's literally the one thing standing in the way of the transition team. Her. GSA. Emily Murphy. And so, apparently, she's trying to show um, President Trump uh, loyalty. And she even said that. And she said, you know, President Trump refuses to concede the election. Um, and it's thrown Murphy in the middle of a political firestorm. And I'm like, no, it hasn't. It actually hasn't thrown her in the, in the middle of a political firestorm. Her loyalty to this person who would throw her under the bus in a heartbeat, in a second, without even considering it, um, is the thing that's throwing her under the bus. The fact that she wants to be the thing that's the, the, the deterrent between this tra- natural natural transition that happens this is a natural this is this has been part of our democracy since trans since the transitions teams even came about and so I, i'm listening to this story and i'm reading what like i'm reading what folks are saying and i'm like it just sounds like a bunch of white tears to me it just sounds like a bunch of white tears to me it's like you made this decision to not sign off despite the fact that officials, numerous officials on both sides, independently, all everybody all together said, you know what, Joe won. Joe won. Here it is. This is what the results are. Let's go on ahead and move along. And you, Emily, you want to stand in the way of the train and then get upset when the train is trying to run you over. Like, get out the way. Sign off on it. You're going to get fired anyway. I heard last week, old girl was trying to find a new job. She was trying to see if there would be any prospects for her to even have a job. And I guess this week the prospects weren't good because here she is. People are writing stuff about her on Twitter. Like that's where I saw all this. And I went to go read this CNN piece and I was, I'm, I'm nauseous. I'm nauseous and I might write my own piece about it, but I'm, it's just... If it was anything else other than a little white woman, a little adorable white woman, nobody would care. Let this have been a brown woman. Let this have been an Asian woman. Let this have been a little white man. Nobody would have cared about your feelings. Nobody cares about your feelings. The only time we care about people's feelings is when they, like, I I hate that, like, this is the thing that, 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 that folks result to. It's just like, <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for my own actions and my own behavior despite the fact that I made a bad decision and now I'm having to deal with the repercussions of it. And it's, it's thrown me into the middle of a political firestorm. You threw yourself into the middle of a political firestorm. You're going to get fired anyway. <laughs> None of y'all are going to have a job after January 20th. None of you. I don't understand why we're still having this conversation. I don't understand why old girl hasn't just signed the paperwork and started looking for work. I don't understand why she wasn't brushing up on her resume before all this. Like you saw, you saw the numbers changing. I would have started putting out stuff on LinkedIn. <laughs> I would have started putting stuff out on Monster. Wherever I have to put out my my resume, who knows? who knows where I could go, right? But I know that I will not be in the Trump uh, cabinet any longer because he lost. He had no longer has a cabinet. So I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I just I don't feel bad. Like and the way this article is just written to try to make you feel bad for this woman. I'm like, bruh, 
don't nobody care. Like, I'm not sad for her. I'm not sad for her. Why do I have to be sad for a person who who elected to stand in the way? If Trump had won, she would have just signed off on the papers. Point blank, period, the end. She would have signed off on everything and everything would have moved along and Joe would have conceded, would have conceded and everything would have moved along. But because we have a toddler and a 70 year old man's body occupying the White House. Oh, girl is like trying to like, I, I don't understand playing on people's sympathy when it's your job. This is your job, babe. And yeah, you can feel you're allowed to feel what you feel. Please feel what you feel. Have your feelings. At the same time, do your goddamn job. Don't nobody feel bad for no Emily. <sighs> I'm going to work myself up. Anyway, <laughs> that's that for the church announcements. Now let's come to the portion of our show we call The Mess and the Message. All right, time for the mess and the message. Um, so last week I hinted at something that I wrote um, on this particular topic. And I wanted to circle back and actually talk about this particular topic. Because it's been not necessarily heavy on my heart, but it's been heavy on my mind. And I'm frustrated. And I'll explain. So I want to ask... And this one's strictly for the culture. What makes a person a black person? And who really gets to decide who is black? Is it those with straight hair or weaves or natural hair or locks? Do they have to have slick edges? Do they have to have kinky coils? What skin tone do they have to be? And are light-skinned people just tossed out for good measure? What food do they have to like? And are they the keepers of the sweet potato pie recipe or the um, loved potato salad bears? Are they the sweet or the savory grits folk? If they like grits at all, do they twerk or do they salsa? Is English their first language? Or maybe it's French or Swahili or Patois or any one of the American dialects. Are they Christian, Muslim, Jewish? Atheists? Are they urban, rural, suburban, islander? Do they live in the desert? Do they live in the mountains? Where do they or their, or their parents or their ancestors have to be born to qualify as black people? Better question. Why is it that this question only comes up for certain folks but not others. Why does the challenge of identity only come to certain individuals, but not everyone? I mean, no one's questioning Slim Thug's blackness. No one's questioning 50 Cent's blackness. No one is questioning Denzel Washington's blackness. No one is questioning... Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people. Nobody's questioning about their blackness. It's this weird thing in our culture that emerges, this weird need to gatekeep who is actually black and who is not. 
Now, me personally, I get it. In the days of Rachel Dolezal and Jessica Krug, when every Instagram influencer seems to be doing some form of blackfishing or performance, um, performing their perception of what they believe blackness is, because black seems to be in trend nowadays, we in the culture have to guard authentic black experiences from those who merely want to siphon from it to benefit from it without being part of it or contributing to these communities. So I get it. But when it comes down to a person who literally finds their heritage with us, there is a sudden exclusion that emerges from certain individuals, which is disgusting and disheartening. Let me just get to the point. I'm speaking directly about Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, who shattered glass ceilings this election by becoming the first woman, the first South Asian, the first black vice president-elect of the United States. What has emerged from those historic firsts has not been VP-elect Harris's record, her qualifications, her preparedness, all of the things that we could be focused on in greater detail, by the way, Um, which I personally believe, I believe she's capable to do the job. But also, no one is above critique and we can discuss their actions. But what's emerged from these discussions is VP-elect Harris's identity and not in a positive way. To be clear, VP-elect Harris has identified as a black woman. And I personally believe that that's where the conversation should end. Unfortunately, it does not. I have had numerous conversations with multiple people um, on various different platforms, from social media to over the phone to even people who respond to this podcast about the identity of this woman, despite the fact that she herself identifies as a black woman. She has a black father. Her father is Jamaican. I don't understand what else needs to be said. But here we go. So my question is this. Why are people who are not Kamala Harris trying to identify Kamala Harris when Kamala Harris is perfectly capable of identifying Kamala Harris? Does she not have a black father? Has she not experienced the world navigating its complexities as a black woman? What hoops must she jump through or navigate in order to be seen as black enough? Better question, why is this even a conversation? The conversation for me personally and for others should be, it stops where she identifies. I mean, at least it should. The fact that we're even here to debate her identity is absurd. The fact that it's it's rising from our own people is disheartening. I expect people who are outside of us to say, well, she's not black enough, this, that, and the third. I expect people who have no grasp or understanding or minimal grasp or understanding of black culture to say that she does not fit the stereotypical mold or that she does not fit what they perceive as black Yeah, I expected that. They started that nonsense when she was running, when she was in the running for VP. They started that mess when she was in the running for president. 
they start they probably started that mess long before she was on many of our radars the f- it's just but the, it's so frustrating <laughs> as you can see as i struggle with my words that it's coming from black folk so i wanted to ask what makes a person black is it based on lineage or personal history is it not a common experience Is it based on only external qualifiers or internal approval? It's a really frustrating situation. It's a really frustrating thing to even discuss. And unfortunately, so many people have had to endure this conversation. Now, I wrote something um, maybe two years ago, and it was about Amanda Seals and Lovey Ajayi, two people who I have mad respect for who I, I look up to a lot um, and whose, whose work that I respect. Um, and unfortunately, their blackness came into conversation during a random Twitter rant with some random person um, who jumped on Twitter and said, quote, Are we done with Lovey and Amanda Seals and others who claim black American DOS culture, but really don't like us? Now, for those who are unfamiliar with the term DOS, by the way, this is the only time I've heard DOS be used. I'm sure in certain circles it's used more frequently, but this is the only time I've ever seen it or heard it used. The term DOS is short for descendant of slaves. This Twitter user, she continued to just... (laughs) Run her mouth saying these are just facts. Black DOS can't be bothered with culture vultures. It's not your history lesson that you appropriate because you have black skin. Yes, we're done. <sighs> Again, I ask, why is this even a thing? Why are we picking and choosing and calling out people who may or may not have the same historical lineage as us, but are just as black as we are? Is the only experience of blackness, does it only emerge from those who were enslaved? I don't get it. Um, do, we have, do we only have exclusivity in the market of blackness? Are we the only ones who have the right to be called black, omitting those from the Caribbean who are still most likely um, descendant, descendants of slaves? Is blackness only defined by the heritage of slavery, oppression, violation, and pain? Is blackness only seen in comparison to whiteness? Those of us who who are American-born descendants of slaves may be in a different may be a, a different expression of blackness from those who are born from on the continent. We might have different experience from our Afro-Caribbean or Afro-Latinx community. But at the end of the day, We're all black people. Of course, both women address the foolishness. Amanda Seals, she just tweeted a few times and and let it go. Um, But Lovey wrote this really prolific piece, and I'm going to read you a part of it. She said, some people believe that those of us who aren't born from a legacy of slavery have no place in the conversation because we aren't directly tied to a particular type of struggle. So is blackness earned through some sort of pain? 
Do I need to suffer a specific way before claiming it? Excuse me. If you are, continue, Lovey continues. If you were always middle or upper class, are you less black? If you are light skin or haven't had any issues relating to dark skin discrimination, are you less black? If you are Afro-Latinx, are you less black? If you do not have ancestors who were enslaved, are you less black? We often say that black is not a monolith. And then at the same time, we dare question the blackness of those who, who um, the, we question blackness that doesn't look like ours. We cannot have it both ways. We wonder if the person who grew up differently than us really loves black people. Everyone isn't Omarosa or Stacey Dash just because they have just because they have been born privileged. And I agree with Lovey. I don't think that there's a I don't think that there's a a pain tolerance that comes with blackness that you have to suffer, that there has to be some sort of 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 deep oppression for you to be black. I think that being black is more than that. And I I don't think I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's cool that we would call out the blackness of people like Amanda Seals or the blackness of people like Alavi Ajayi or the blackness of people like VP elect Harris. They are black just cuz their experience is different. And just because their blackness looks different doesn't make them any less black. In fact, it adds to the continuing diversity that we find in just our own community. So the point is that none of these points matter. Not one of them. Especially in our current climate and times that we live, where it doesn't matter what experience of blackness you have, you could still be a victim of racism, white supremacy, and un- unjustified police brutality. And not one of your experiences, not one of your experiences will save you. No one is going to ask, are you, for, are you black from Africa or black from um, the Caribbean? Or are you black from Europe or black from South America or Asia or the U.S.? Racists don't care what kind of black you are. The fact that you're black is bad enough to them. Blackness is not a monolith. It spans the wide and vibrant breadth of color and culture and creativity and history. There's no one way to be a black person. No one owns exclusive rights to claim ownership over blackness. Just like when I was told when I was younger that I wasn't black enough simply for the way I spoke, simply because I strung sentences together well when I was in elementary school, I was told by other kids that I talk white as if white people were the only people who were allowed to speak a certain way, right? Never mind the fact that my grandmother was a reading specialist. And never mind the fact that, you know, both that's how both my parents spoke and that's how we spoke in our house. Never mind the fact that I was just that's just the way I talked. I it reduced my blackness because I didn't speak or carry myself in a certain way. The and this is coming from a person who is a black American person who was a descendant of slaves. So I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why we have to constantly police each other and our blackness. 
While the conversation is worth having on many on the many different expressions of blackness, is it really worth attacking one another like this on social media, on on in the streets, you know, in the news? It feels like there's it's open season right now on black people in general. Hello. How many different cases do we have open from simply police brutality and racism? and violence. It seems like there's another there's another hashtag every week for black people. And it's like is it really worth it for us to be sitting around arguing when you know you have 15-year-olds who are going out with their teenage friends and their moms and they end up dead in a field with acid poured all over their face. Is it really worth having this Who's black conversation when you could be sitting in your, your living room playing video games with your nephew and an officer who's supposed to be coming over for a wellness check shoots you in the face when you go to check the window because you see somebody skulking around without announcing themselves. Is it really worth it to talk about who is really black when a person can kneel on the neck of a man who is on the ground in handcuffs not harming anyone for almost nine full minutes to the point that he dies? Is it really worth it when you can't even go for a jog without a group of of white supremacists chasing you down and shooting you? Is it really worth it where you can't even lay beside the one that you love without a bunch of officers bursting into your home and then ex- not expecting to be met back with legal legal protection and then they try to sue you is it really worth it i don't think that it's worth it like i said i appreciate the voices of me- the many expressions of blackness that are in our own life from lovey to bernice king uh, to Simone Sanders, Angela Rye, Maxine Waters, or VP-elect Kamala Harris, or any other sister or brother or non-binary family member bringing their voices to the fight and putting themselves on the line just for existing. Maybe instead of trying to quantify and qualify who is able to speak for Black people, Black people should be involved and in taking our own voices and listening to our own voices and adding to our own voices and supporting our own voices and deliberately being deliberately reaching out to others that don't sound like us that don't look like us and growing this beautiful community that we have instead of tearing each other down crabs in the barrel Instead of the light-skinned, straight-haired girls versus the dark-skinned, curly-haired girls. Instead of that whole narrative that we have experienced for far too long that was not started by us. Instead of all of that, why don't we just open our arms to each other and embrace each other as being just a different, just a different kind of black than we are? Difference not bad. Difference just different. That's all. All 
right, now that I've gotten that off my chest and I feel way better, why don't I do some ranting? It's time for the wrap-up rant and Blacks in the Deep End. All right, time for the wrap-up rant and Blacks in the Deep End. So, let's do the wrap-up rant first. Um, I think I ranted enough on Emily. Y'all know I don't care for Emily. Um, I'm also frustrated with the writers of that story and how they just, they just, like, if it was anybody else, nobody would care about the mental, the mental situation of the person who was holding up the transition process especially during a pivotal time like the one we're going through where we have thousands of people literally dying of a virus that too many people don't even believe is a problem we have economic downturn we have too many people with food instability and we had people who had food instability way before covid decided to rear its ugly head we have too many people who don't have health insurance we have too many people who don't have Housing. We have too many people right now who don't have, um, who are who have their housing being threatened because of the fact that they can't get a job because there's no jobs to be had. What's go- like because so many places are closing. Like I'm looking left and right here in Philly. Some of my favorite places to go, some of my favorite places to hang out, are closing their doors because. Because there's no help. Because there's no help being offered. And Emily is, what, like tossing her arm across her forehead as she dips her head back in this dramatic almost faint and say, oh, I've been thrown into a political firestorm. Like, get get over yourself. Like, get over yourself. And though to the writers who wrote that story to try to elicit some type of sympathy, keep it. Because nobody feels bad for people who make bad decisions. Like, that was a bad decision. It was a bad call. She wanted to show loyalty to a person who wouldn't, who doesn't show loyalty to anyone other than himself and his daughter in a weird, weird and twisted, weird, weird and twisted way. Um, so, I don't know what's going on over there, but sis none of us care nobody cares (sighs) so please rewrite that story in fact you know what i'll just do it for you um moving along so harry styles was on the cover of vogue um and he did a full spread did a full story apparently he was wearing some dresses and things like that all right cool whatever he's giving me david bowie vibes i'm like cool all right Harry Styles is Harry Styles. You put on what you put on. As long as you're comfortable. Hey, it's up to you. Apparently, there's a group of people who don't like that. um, Including one Candace Owens and one Ben Shapiro. Two people who probably need to keep their mouth shut about anyone else. And being questionable. um, Or calling anyone questionable. Dare saying that Harry is not the ma- masculine and da 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 da, and I'm like, there's many forms of masculinity, babe. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> what are we talking about? Does he have to like punch somebody in the face to be masculine? Does he have to like scream in the faces of like law enforcement in the middle of a government building to be deemed uh, masculine? 
Does he have to grab him by the pussy in order to be masculine? These are all loaded questions, by the way. Um, and Ben Shapiro, who admitted on the internet that he's never like when when he was he was flipping out about this about the WAP song, all unnecessary, by the way. Like, dude, nobody cares about your opinion about hip hop. Least of all, black women talking about their their autonomy, their sexual autonomy. Nobody cares about you, but he literally walked himself smack, like almost like he he really didn't see it coming, smack into the middle of uh, of basically just saying that he's never seen a woman get wet before, and I'm like, you're a whole married man. You're a whole married man, y'all. All right, that's none of my business. Um, and dare to open his mouth about Harry Styles. Mm, I have a feeling that Harry has some experience with that, with that watermelon sugar. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, but Candace, Candace needs to mind her own business and stop p- paying black people to come to rallies for that failure of a president. And Ben, Ben needs to slow down with the way that he talks. He just talks really fast and people think that he's saying a lot when he's really not saying anything. Um, Neither one of them will have any type of career ambitions or or political anything. And both get forgotten really, really fast when it comes time to be speaking at big events and things like that. So it's fun to watch them fail. The whole internet made fun of them. It was great. So that was my wrap. Oh, I got one more for you. And this is not directed at Ivy Park, but this is directed at Ivy Park. I had a cart full of items that I wanted for myself because I'm like, Whitney, you have not bought yourself anything in months, not one thing for yourself in months, mostly because I'm home, mostly because we're quarantined. So I haven't been shopping. Um, I literally live in sweats and leggings, t-shirts, sweatshirts, think about college wear, but a the adult version, I guess. I don't know if that if that makes any sense. Literally just hanging out. As long as it's clean, I'm wearing it. <sighs> so I wanted some Ivy Park things. So I had a cart loaded up, right? The collection opened at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here, excuse me, in Philadelphia. So I was ready. I had my card already full. Soon as six, I had my, my card information already in. Soon as six o'clock rolled around, all I had to click was buy. I click buy at 6 p.m., literally on the nose, and half, no, I'm sorry, two-thirds of the things that I wanted were already gone. Already gone. Just gone. And I'm like, How? How? I had everything right there. When I tell you I was so frustrated and I was heartbroken, I'm sitting here just looking at my cart, like blinking my eyes really hard. Like, for real? For real? That means I don't, I missed another drop. Like, I missed the colorful drop that just happened. And then the black drop that um, I was like, I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. I missed it. I'm so frustrated. I'm just like, what? This is so not cool. 
And then I look on Poshmark and everyone has bought stuff and are just reselling it. And it's so frustrating. God, it's so frustrating. So because everything is literally just marked up. So it's like, if you want it, you just have to pay double. And I'm like, that's not cool. Oy, yoy, yoy. So here we are. That's the situation. I'm sad. But um, it's not Ivy Park's fault that they're being, that they're, that they're successful. It's not their fault. It's not their fault that all their stuff is being bought out. That's not their fault. That's not their fault at all. <sighs> I guess I just didn't click fast enough. And, you know, you got to click at 559.59. So, eh, it is what it is. So, um, maybe I'll find some, like, somewhere else. In the meantime, shout outs. Just now we're in Blacks in the Deep End. Shout out to Essence Magazine, who recently dropped their 50th, I believe it's their 50th um, year celebration cover. And Zendaya Coleman is on there, like, lit, paying homage to Danielle Luna. And it's just a beautiful spread. Like, if you haven't seen it, Go see it. It's beautiful. Beautiful. When I tell you, I was just like, I was stunned. I was stunned. It's just so gorgeous. And she looks amazing. It's just, wow, breathtaking. So yeah, that is that on all of that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your subscribes. Don't forget that you too can keep this show independent by supporting the show on Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Whitney Elise. The link is in the bio, but I like to say it. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Whitney Elise. And you can keep this show independent. And I thank you so much for doing so. I appreciate you in ways that I cannot even express. But um, yeah, that's all the announcements I got. And there may or may not be a show next week. Let's see what happens Um, <laughs> with baby girl if she decides to make her way into the world or just stays inside the bump. Um. <laughs> For Thanksgiving, who knows? Like I said, I'm drifting somewhere between 39 and 40 weeks. And I don't want to rush my little tiny love. Um, but I do want her to be born in a healthy and healthy way. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I have a little bit of uncomfortability about the whole situation. But, you know, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Um, but thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, peace, y'all.